guys, welcome back to the Alpha Artist Podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works, where each week we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. Uh, my name is Ben. Hello. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Once again, I feel the intros get weirder. I've been here quick. twice in one week, and that's just two times too many, yeah, to be Ben's, honest. Yeah, Ben's going away, so it's sort of... Um, We've had to crunch a lot of our recording. Just crunching a lot of stuff. Um, I've been here too much. Too much, bro. Too much, I've and been I'm here. here too much. And I you're here all the time. So yeah. clearly, it's too not, much. Not good for everyone. No. Um, we figured, you know, because uh, Borderlands Three was announced, and it's hooray. Let's talk about it. Um, and we haven't thought about Borderlands in honestly since <laughs> so the second game long. came out. Um, we thought we would chat about it and try and see like. Because it, it's it's a funny game, it's a funny game series in general where it kind of escapes the curve of that YouTube thing where it, the games came out just before video essays were really a big thing. So it hasn't like, hasn't received a lot of that like brainy cerebral discourse. It came that, out before Bioshock Infinite, which apparently is the point. That's like the big where, tipping point. Yeah. yeah. But everyone just kind of lost their mind at Bioshock Infinite for yeah. various reasons. I think because... Maybe actually, maybe that'll be a good discussion point once we get through the summary. But I think one of the reasons that happened is Infinite was so like promisingly interesting conceptually, and the gameplay was so nothing yeah. that it finally made people like start talking about shit again properly. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah, because we we're all so chilled out because video games were so good for so long. Yeah, I was like, oh, this one's good, but is it? And then that <laughs> kind of started it again. Because I think Borderlands like skated under that a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, Borderlands is a series of action role-playing first-person shooter games set in, like, a space western sci-fi fantasy, created by Gearbox Software, published by 2K on a bunch of shit. Tons of platforms. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's been three main games, plus uh, the two Telltale series games as well. Um, and I'm going to kind of run through all of them in general to kind of get us up to speed of, like, the general vibe of the series and the general the narrative so far, because Borderlands 3 takes place after all of those. So it has characters from both the the main games and also the... Um, the Telltale games. Right. I, I quite like the Telltale games. Um, I have not played them. Yeah. I don't I don't know. They're fun. Shortly after Corporation Dull leaves the planet Pandora at the start of Borderlands, four Vault Hunters arrive to seek out the Vault. They're guided by a mysterious entity, the Guardian Angel, that lives within the planet's communication Echonet system to collect pieces of the Vault key, but are warned that the Vault can only be accessed every 200 years and that time is soon approaching, urging them onwards. They eventually complete the key and locate the vault, but on opening, it releases a gigantic monster. They fight off the monster and push it back into the vault, which then closes, leaving Pandora safe once again. In the pre-sequel, which takes place directly <coughs> afterwards, Jack, a low-level programmer for Hyperion, discovers another vault on Pandora's moon, Elpis, and hires four vault hunters, including Athena, to seek it in the wake of the first, the first vault's closure. With the Vault Hunter's help, Jack is able to seize control of Helios, the Hyperion space station in orbit between Pandora and its moon, and uses its resources to secure the Vault with the help of the Hunters. Inside, there is only a strange artifact in the shape of a Vault symbol, but when Jack touches it, he experiences visions of the Warrior's imminent release. Jack starts to go mad with power, and Lilith punches the artifact into his face, disfiguring him forever. <laughs> Jack assumes his mask, becoming Handsome Jack, and takes over Hyperion as he swears vengeance on the Vault Hunters. In Borderlands 2, four new hunters have arrived to find a new vault that has been discovered on Pandora, but Handsome Jack uses his array of Hyperion resources to try and stop them. The new hunters are further guarded by further guided by the Angel, who is revealed to be Jack's daughter, dying from excessive psychic powers that she has. Jack had used the Angel to trick the first vault hunters to opening the vault on Pandora to gain access to Iridium, a material with untold properties, and these vault hunters, now aware of Jack's involvement, also come to the new vault hunters' aid. 
While they find the vault, Jack arrives and joins them as they open it, and he summons forth the warrior, another gigantic creature, which he wants to use to control Pandora and beyond. The vault hunters defeat the warrior and leave Jack to his death before the vault closes up. Sometime after these events, we're not sure how long, in the tales of Borderlands, the absence of Jack's power leaves a void on both Pandora and Hyperion. Hyperion Lackey, Reese, and a con artist Fiona get caught up in events over the sale of a fake vault key to Reese's superior for $10 million. They discover there is another vault, uh, the Vault of the Traveler, controlled by a robot named Gordas. As they collect the scattered piece, the scattered parts of Gordas, Reese inadvertently downloads a copy of Handsome Jack's personality into, into his cybernetic mind, and once back on Helios, Jack takes over the Jack takes over the entire station. Reese and Fiona stop Jack and cause the station to crash into Pandora, wiping out Jack's personality for good. They then help defeat the Traveler, another giant, another gigantic monster, freeing Gordas and leaving the vault to be explored. Finally. Kind of like. Is there more? No, that's it. Is that it? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I feel like. You I don't want to don't double check? No, that was it. No, was it? How do you feel about that? It was a lot. It was a lot, huh? Don't. What happened? Like, I've played most of the games and all of that just went way over my head. It, we, were, we were talking about it last night when we were playing Dark Souls, but it does feel a bit like the the um, Avatar of games where everyone played it, <laughs> but no one remembers what the really, fuck happened. No one really remembers what happened with yeah. that video game. I remember, like, some of the class skills and stuff. I remember like, Claptrap. Clap I remember hating Claptrap. But he's supposed to be hated, so I guess he gets the no, free pass. They really tried to make him likable. Did okay with wh- the memes. With the memes. What was your experience with these games? Like were you playing it with other people? Like how did you I played like these? I played like a tiny smidge of Borderlands One. Um I didn't really play that. The one I played the most was Borderlands Two. Yeah. Um I don't think I've played pre sequel. It's very weird. Um, I, I honestly prefer but the it one where like the moon is just Australia. The moon's Australia. I prefer yeah. the comedy in that one, but I think the the Borderlands two gameplay is so solid. Yeah, most of my times was in the second game, and I played that solo, mm-hmm. like a tiny bit co op, mostly solo, mm-hmm. kind of boring. Um, it's pretty fun. I forget yeah. what class I played. I, I think know. it was the guy with the turret or some shit. Yeah, the, I don't know, the boring character. one. Yeah. I like the I, I like the fact that so I played that um, and I was sort of the I played the the sniper character like the assassin type mm. and then someone else played the the soldier character. What was really interesting is when we played through the whole game, like I think we got up to like new game plus plus or something. Yeah, played it a bunch, and we got up. To, I was like level two hundred or some bullshit, whatever the max is. Like we yeah. got to that, and then we stopped. Um, but what was interesting about that game is that it was it was the first thing I've ever come close to that sort of. It's not an MMO, but it was the first game that I played like it was an MMO. Yeah, yeah, and that's and- such a weird property for a like because I guess the sh- like Destiny hadn't come out yet. There weren't really shooters that were doing that, were there? It's it's a weird thing where before like after destiny the games like borderlands 2 don't really exist Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of curious what they're going to do with the third one if they're going to go back to like the borderlands sort of way of playing or if they're going to do the destiny thing destiny yeah um but borderlands borderlands 2 definitely like it emulates the kind of style of mmoiness that Mm -hmm. like diablo 2 had yeah where it's not explicitly an MMO, but a lot of people play it. Yeah, like a lot of people play it like it is. Like they'll have sort of their character that they'll kind of work on repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll you tend to sort of at a certain point, you tend to kind of just do more multiplayer stuff. And in this case, it was just all co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that idea of, you know, you are oh, going to do this boss because it has 
it has a chance of dropping this weapon yeah. that I want. So that and it's like there's no real end goal. It's just like I just want better shit. The I, I think I think the difference between like an MMO and Borderlands is the Borderlands like you actually like you're invested in the story as you go. I mean even even though like we were saying we didn't really remember it. The spectacle of it and the events that happen and the the stories it progresses because Handsome Jack is such a good villain. Yeah, there is this element of like, yeah, you do go through and you're like, I want to get a cool ass gun, but at the same time, like, you kind of get involved in that story. Yeah, and like when you when you're playing these games, you just kind of play them for the story. It's only once you get to like the end, once you finish the game, and the game goes, all right, you finished the game. You can kind of just keep playing if you want, but there's no more story to get. That's when it kind of transitions into this more, like, long-term kind of of video game. Yeah, and kind of why I I say that, like, I'm, like, curious where uh, Borderlands 3 kind of goes, because, like, more recently with games like Destiny, with, like, The Division, Anthem, Anthem, Warframe, all these games which kind of... It's kind of just become like the looter shooter genre, mm-hmm. just basically just Diablo, but with guns. Yep. Um, it's they've all kind of moved towards not like an MMO, but more kind of a they've sort of taken the bit at the end of Borderlands where it's not super story focused. You kind of just do what you want. And they've kind of just Made stretched that, that across the game and then just like smattered in some story here and there. Yeah. It's like when you play The Division you're like you're 100 percent aware of like the i don't know like the grindiness or like the it's, the nature of like it's, oh it's i'm gonna repeat this mission to get a better weapon yeah, or, or, or you're like oh i've got this quest because it's a game yeah whereas it definitely feels like with borderlands the series i think two two is the best example one is maybe we'll re- replay one with the remaster coming out i don't know i never really got into it but definitely with two it didn't have that sense of being a game like you, uh, there's there's a lack it of. It abstract- feels like a linear experience. Yeah, and I think yeah. with all of its systems, because it's very like self-aware and like kind of funny, but not in like a Deadpool kind of way. It the levels of abstraction required to like your characters care about cool dope ass guns, right? And the characters in the game are comparing how cool and good the stats are. So it doesn't feel like when you're in your menu comparing guns that you're like. You don't do like a video game thing. You're yeah. like, well, this is the world I'm in. These characters are always talking about cool guns and different effects and stuff. And it it removes that layer of abstraction that I think the division has and like a lot of MMOs have where you hit the pause menu to go into your inventory and suddenly it's this numbers game. Yeah. Whereas I think definitely Borderlands is a lot more fun where because these characters in the ga- in the game world are like, well, that one has better stats. Yeah. Or that one does corrosive damage. That's a dope ass little boomstick right there. There's there's a different like tone that goes into not just the linear stuff, but, like, that grindy, like, kind of loot and shoot stuff as well. Yeah. I don't know if that's if it's the voice that makes it more appealing to me, but definitely I'm wondering, in the current gaming landscape where everyone's trying to design games that you play forever. Right. Right? They're games of services, like, the goal. Live they wanna be, they, services! They want to be Netflix, yeah. right? Um, well, they all want to be... They want to be... Well, yeah, they just want to be the game that you... That everyone... Like, it's sort of in like 2000 2007 2008 it was like everyone was trying to be world of warcraft by like making mmos and then we had league of legends and then everyone was trying to be league of legends by making a a moba um and there was like a bit of military shooters in there somewhere halo Um, 3 kind of yeah call of duty but now it's like i guess developers small publishers they're they're aware that like oh you don't actually you don't have to make a mob you don't have to make a this or that you just have to make it enough of a sort of you have to make it present enough and put in sort of mechanics that get people coming back 
to create just like a funnel where you just kind of take people's time and just direct it towards it the money. in-game shop. Yeah, convert <laughs> it into money, basically. Yeah, like if you, um, Dan Olsen for his April Fools did probably one of the best and like most. I like. I, I didn't think he was that clever about video games. But turns out he is. Um, like one of the most like in depth and like correct analysis of, of Fortnite, mm-hmm. which was hilarious because he did the whole video on Fortnite because he was like April Fools. I'm pivoting to Fortnite content. Um, but yeah, he sort of talked about how the like Fortnite as a game isn't that. It's like it's kind of whatever. Like the shooting is average. Like a lot of the mechanics it's, fight against themselves. It's, There's like its big win is that it's the matchmaking sucks, Dick. Yeah, it's the, the the thing that makes it good is that it's pretty fine. Yeah, but it's, the, it's so the, fine. But the thing that keeps people playing is when you're not playing the game, you've got you've got your battle pass, which is this constant drip feed of oh new new shit to put on my character. And you've got like the whole idea of like the the whole like player expression element of Fortnite is like entirely locked behind paywalls mm-hmm. you know if you if you don't buy a skin you literally get given a random character model from like the three or four default models that the game has right. every time you play if you don't have a skin it's just like you're but, now but, this guy and that, you're now this girl none and, of that stuff changes the gameplay no so but people it's it's because you know you you play the game to get the rewards you don't you don't get yeah. the rewards by when you just you know it's it's a case yeah. of a lot of people they'll play the game for a bit they'll be like i really like fortnite and they'll get these rewards and they'll be like cool i get rewards when i play this game it's like a double whammy and when the game would naturally at a certain point become non-rewarding which is kind of what we hit with like papa gubbers when yeah. we're like nah, it's we know we had everything fun. we can yeah. yeah at that point you know people who are playing games that have these kind of these not like external mechanics so they're not actual mechanics mm-hmm. in the game, but they're just like part of you know like the the item the market, shop and the, the battle pass and the stuff. The yeah, economy. the monetization kind yeah. of model, um, the business model. Well, you've got games that have that kind of business model. Suddenly, when the game stops being you know interesting for what it is, they're they're hooked on that on that model. Mm-hmm. So they keep playing the game to get more of that model. Then I guess the question would be when you're talking about this and. This has always been a conversation that's been had forever. It's just now it's much more accessible because it's much more obvious with these games that we're seeing now. Yeah. But like, you know, back in the day, like, you know, even though there were no microtransactions, right? People would play Halo 3 online to get to like the max rank, to get the cool helmets and to get the cool armor customizations. Yeah. But I I think what's happened now, and and I guess this is why I'm curious about... The discussion I kind of wanted to have with Borderlands is that because it is that type of game yeah. before that stuff existed in the industry, yeah. where does it go now? Like, from, from an artistic yeah. perspective, in, in, in a game that is... In a game that did that without the microtransactions, it's and really hard to... quite well. Really yeah. hard to spend money on Borderlands 2. I bought all the DLC because I've played... And the DLC is fantastic. DLC, yeah, and DLC is content. It's, and DLC story isn't DLC. Yeah, DLC isn't a skin. It's yes. not, it's not so an emote. Yeah. You can buy skins and different bits of armor in the like as bits of dlc in that game but yeah. they don't but again you earn enough of those in the game throughout that that it's not like a you know you unless you really want to get that stuff it's not going to affect your playthrough but i guess my question would be from a from a development perspective and like even from like a writing and voice perspective this game that is so strong and did that naturally without the microtransactions as an as a studio that has a responsibility to make money 
that also might want to make art, where do they go from here? <laughs> they will almost... I mean, it's as cynical as it is, it will almost definitely follow the model that we've been seeing. Just because it's it's Gearbox and 2K games. You know, 2K games have been dipping their toes into the gross monetization what pie recently. What kind of gross shit of 2K done? Um, so, 2K was one of the biggest people who fought against Belgium's uh, legislation change where they deemed loot boxes as gambling. 2K, 2K games were sort of at the forefront of going, no, we're going to keep selling loot boxes despite the fact that it was deemed illegal in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of their sport games, so like 2K19, the basketball one? The basketball uh, one's just like... That's NBA 2K. NBA, yeah. 19. So that one's just like filled with microtransactions despite things. the fact that it's a basketball game. I'm still playing 2K15 because um, that was the one before microtransactions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one. Um, that's probably the most notable thing. But I mean, it's there's there's no reason why they won't. It's, you know, like, EA is doing it, Activision's doing it. See, I don't know. I think there is a strong reason why. I think there's a compelling reason why they won't. But I think there's, you know, if you think about these sort of live service games, even Assassin's Creed has been developed to be a live service, despite the fact that it's just a single-player video game. (laughs) It doesn't work as a live service because there's no drive to move the player into that monetization funnel. Because the game itself is good. The difference is, well... Uh, and honestly, I think and I think there's going to be a similar thing here where like I mean Portal 2 had hats. Like when when Valve was running that Team Fortress 2 hat train and making a bajillion dollars on skins, when they released Portal 2, they put hats in. There were microtransactions for Portal the- 2 co-op. No one bought them. But they were there. So it just kind of faded away, but it was there. And I and I feel like the only thing that gives 2K me- is 100% as the publisher, not this isn't going to be Gearbox. Yeah. Gearbox are going to make the game that they make, whether it's good or bad. Who knows? It's been a while. Yeah. Um, but 100%, like, I would I would put money on it that there is going to be... If It may not be egregious. It may not be... It might be like Borderlands 2. You can just buy a bunch of skins. And shit. Yeah, it may not be gross and disgusting. They may not do a battle pass. They, you know, they may not do loot boxes, but they might. They might just do it. Here's the thing. Here's, here's why I think they might not. And it's the only shred of hope I have. <laughs> like, it is like a thin shred. Sure. But Take-Two published Red Dead 2. And that's what two, 2K is Take-Two. So yeah, my, my only hope is... Take-Two also published Grand Theft Auto Online. I know, which I know, is the I know. single most... The single highest revenue-earning live service video game of all time. But they also, But they also put out Red Dead 2, a game which... But I think you buy once and then you play. Like, okay, I I agree. I guess what I'm more interested in is not I mean, what they. It could be what, a sense that they're aware of that they're, they're not just like, oh, a new video game. Put some put some dumb shit well, in it. I, I'm more thinking they might be aware of the fact that they because people don't realize they're the same company. What they might be doing is getting both ends of the pie. So they, if if they put out Borderlands three and it's got none of that shit, they're going to be heralded as fucking heroes of the industry. Whilst also publishing GTA Online, all this other shit. What I'm thinking is they I mean, might they be- shouldn't be heralded because you shouldn't herald someone as a hero for just not doing the bad thing. <laughs> yeah, but have you seen the video games industry? Yes. At this point, that's the best we get. Um, but no, I, I, I'm less interested in like what they're going to do. I'm more interested in if like because that series because the, like Borderlands is such a strong voiced. French, like it has a v- character to it. Yeah. Even that trailer, it wasn't too much. What I've noticed is they were careful not to make that trailer too much to scare off new people. I just found it kind of 
boring. <laughs> I, the teaser, I was like, I don't give a shit. But the I, actual, I only saw the teaser. Oh, the the gameplay trailer. I haven't seen the gameplay you trailer. You should watch that bef- in, in between the the um the main show and the post show because it got me so excited. Right. I didn't give a shit. I was like, I could care less about Borderlands, and then I saw that, and I went, Oh, okay. Oh, I'm in. Like right. it 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 was enough. It wasn't too much. It was enough where I was like, okay. There's a billion guns in the game. Like, little things like <laughs> yeah. that where I'm like, okay, that's fun. You know, but it has that voice, has that tone to it. And the thing about it is it's not like these marketing campaigns now where it's like, you know, everyone's quipping in the trailers and the cinematics and stuff and you get in the game and it's just like a military shooter. Yeah. Like, the game is that. So, I guess, reflecting on the franchise, especially thinking about the story-driven um, nature of this franchise, less, again, I think less so. That's why Borderlands 1 isn't as good. There's less story. Borderlands 2 works because it's got these established characters of the existing Vault Hunters who... Like, I played Borderlands 2 before once. I didn't know that Mordecai and that Lilith were existing characters or that Brick was an existing character. But they were people that felt like they lived in that world. So the story really pulls you in because it feels like, oh, these people have been here for a long time. Yeah. And what could be cool about, you know, moving that franchise forward now, given it's been so long, is that they can throw some cool stuff at the wall and see what they enjoy doing with that that world and that concept yeah i think i think if anything they will probably follow the the kind of model that we've seen with like the the destiny and the the anthem with the they'll take that end game thing and kind of stretch that a bit across just because i think that makes a better game Mm. i think that makes a more makes a more engaging game in some regards it would at least here's the thing it it would make a more engaging game doesn't necessarily mean it make a better game yeah, it, I mean, they could easily take the story in a direction that facilitates that kind of narrative. It could be like, and they, they said there's no battle royale, but there's elements of that kind of. I don't know. I just think when when you go, it's it's a weird thing now too because it used to be that you could you could imagine when they were developing like Halo Three or like Halo Reach or whatever. Yeah. Um, that Bungie and Three Four Three were these companies who like would just. Microsoft was like, just make another fucking Halo. You guys print money. Yeah. Like, do what you want to do. Tell the story you want to tell. And then by Halo 5, they were like, well, we need to sell more toys. You need to have a second main protagonist. And that <laughs> dictated how yeah. the, they were able to make their story in the game. And it, the, 5 is bad for that reason. So I wonder if we've got to a point now with video games in general as a storytelling mechanism where that kind of middle to top tier market that used to exist, which Borderlands fell into because it wasn't AAA, but it was like... It wasn't mid. It was wasn't mid market either. Close. It, was, it was like Bioshock. Yeah. It was bumping on those edges. Yeah. Like it's when well, the first one was definitely middle market, but the second one was kind of bumping AAA. Yeah. Um. But I wonder if now because like everything is either AAA or it's hugely indie. There's no middle market left. If they might not have the luxury to be as weird as they want to be. Yeah. And the weirdness is what makes those games really interesting. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some people like describe their games. It's triple I as in like triple indie, and that just that just gives me an aneurysm. Yeah, that's um, cringy. It's just <laughs> it's just a game that has a strong voice and knows what it's about, yeah. and it's a strong voice in the sense that like you know you get a the the flavor. My favorite thing about this game about these games in general is like the some of the randomly generated flavor text on weapons and the randomly generated <laughs> names on weapons and stuff. Yeah. that just they add so much flavor to the world effortlessly because it's like oh well this gun is manufactured by this company so they write about it in this way and um i was thinking about this in in uh, when we were playing sekiro because there's a lot of flavor text in that game versus the flavor text in something like borderlands or the flavor text in like um dark souls like skyrim or like those other or like oblivion and the way that the devs particularly doom i was thinking of doom 
20 the, the new one the new one yeah um is it 2017 or 20 <laughs> 2016 20, 20, yeah june 2016 yeah the flavor text in that game has three levels so in your in your dossier or your compendium you have like the yeah you have the the normal version which is like the publicly available thing and then if you yeah. get if you find enough of them you get like the next level which is like the the kind of unredacted version which is sort of so the first one is like the cults like this thing's evil and it's gonna kick your ass. The second one's like the scientific. Second one's scientific, and the third one is like, like the crazy batshit cult like, one. Yeah, where it's like the, you know, if you pray to this one three times a week, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not gonna kill <laughs> yeah. you as bad. Yeah, and it's this really fun thing where that tells you so much about the world immediately mm. if you go digging for it. And Borderlands is a franchise that has that in spades, where like you'll be fucking around an area. And you'll come across, like, a weird, like, little encampment of bandits, and they're, like, bickering between themselves, and you murk them, and you pick up, like, an audio log, and you read, and you check out what's going on. It's like, you know, one of their brothers died, so they've been... F- There's one in the ice area in Borderlands 2 where, like, they couldn't get across the ice because it was summer and it melted. So they spent, <laughs> like, the, the... They spent so long in this cabin refusing to go outside because it was too cold that one of them killed, you know, one of the other brothers, and they, the other three lived there forever, and they were these bandits. And they got so hungry that one of them ate someone else. And then when it was finally time for summer, they were so comfortable they didn't want to leave. And then it was it's winter again when you play the game and it's still there and they're yeah. arguing. And that's such a dumb, fun, like it doesn't add anything to the game. Yeah. But it's that kind of attention to detail that the Division had, like the original Division had that, but it it was more like watching a film than it was like that game. Like it didn't have that that richness that I think video games can achieve with the detail i don't know there's, there's something specifically video game about the way like metro exodus does it too where you can discover things and take the time to work them out whereas in a film it's like all of that smuggled in storytelling it might be in one shot and your brain has to like take it in whereas a game you can like stare at something and try and like literally in your head do like the batman detective vision thing where yeah. you like piece together what happened and my concern like well not my concern but like one of the things i love about this franchise is that's their jam. Like, they love doing that, where they're like, let's tell this really complex, interesting story in this crazy, dumb space Western fantasy thing, but also have these kind of complex little bits of storytelling. Yeah. And I wonder if that's not going to get lost in the-, in the transition. But I don't... I just... What if they don't? Like, what could you imagine if they didn't? <laughs> and that's such a thrilling thought to have, is like, what if they just didn't? I don't know. I think I think I'm... I'm probably a bit more jaded because I, I follow a lot of sort of what the industry is doing and especially with these live services. That's been the that's been the big the big current thing. You know, we had we had we had the loot boxes, we had just the general gambling crap, yeah. which is still in most video games. And now it's just a case of, well, you know, video games are just trying to be the only game that exists. You know, like when when EA released Anthem like a couple weeks before they also released Apex Legends which oh, yeah. was the um like the Titanfall Yeah, they accidentally killed Anthem. Yeah, yeah, and it was the kind of thing where they'd re- EA as a publisher had released these two games both with the same kind of well Apex Legends kind of just had like the Fortnite model but Anthem was really trying to be this like this long term yeah like loot and it shooter probably MMO. could have been if I mean, it could uh, if it didn't suck if, dick. if they'd held up for a few more months and fixed like if they Literally worked on everything. it and like um, let Apex make them more money than God, and then dro- could you imagine then dropping that when everyone's bored of Apex? Yeah, but it's kind of it's this idea where the, the publishers are like, well, we can just we're, we're just gonna we just want all the money, and it's they want they simultaneously want to have 
these live service play play for years kind of games but they're also releasing games on a yearly basis you know they're still doing yearly sequels for call of duty kind of thing where it's like you can't are they gonna keep doing that or do you think because here's the thing you get 60 quid up front for a video game whereas these games are service like you buy you you don't buy Fortnite. You keep putting money into it. But like, there's no reason why they can't just do both. They because yeah, you're right. People, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, no, you're you right. Know, Call of Duty Blackout proved that. Yeah, yeah, you you can you can get that sixty quid per year, and then just if people don't want to buy the next one, well, you've got them hooked on that previous sixty quid, and that keeps making them money. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where if you just if you've got everyone in the world, which is what they want, they want all the money. Um, not not most of the money. No, they they want, want everyone. All the money. And if they just if they release a game that's meant to be played forever, and then everyone starts playing it, and then some people teeter off, they release another one, and then they get everyone yeah, else you again. Are a cynical and they just keep you, how, the industry's broken, you man. Because here's what I'll say: I agree totally. Except that <laughs> that's what's going on. Well, ex- no, that's ex- why you have Apex Legend, and then a couple yeah, of months you later, you, you have Anthem. You don't have to play that shit. Here's the thing, though. No, I don't play them. No, but here's what I'm saying: is <laughs> they ain't gonna reel me in. Yeah, like I'm like, already reeled in by Warframe. Well, no, <laughs> that, but that, that, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, like uh, you don't have to go in for that shit, and and I think. There is enough people left, and it, it's definitely waning because there's so many more kids than there are of us now. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, it's it's accessible to everyone. You can play it with your mom. She can play it. It's easy or whatever. Yeah. Not to like, I, I'm sure, like, I, you know, when you watch someone like Ninja play Fortnite, that's like, that's a genuine craft and a skill that he's developed, right? But it's yeah, it's, he's, he's, it's a game that anyone can play, right? Yeah. And that is that is a barrier to entry that's so low that it means that those games have such little artistic value that they will always exist. There will always be Fortnites. There will always be your PUBG style, you know, Battle Royales. That's currently the fad, but it'll be something else later on. Right. It it'll, might come back to MMOs, it might be something else. But the fact that the industry is still willing to pour like millions of dollars into something like Red Dead 2 or like Sekiro or these games or these story-driven experiences, I think... Even though the industry has got to this point where it's like so jaded and I'm like I'm a little bit scared <laughs> that like we're on the we're on this fucking knife edge right now where it's like there is something's gonna happen soon where we're gonna one way or the other. Like it's games as a service is either gonna work or it's not. And, oh, it's it's gonna it's gonna crash. And they haven't made but it. But then there'll work. be something else. But it'll be something else. But the thing is, as long as there are still publishers and there are still developers like Rockstar and like, you know, the from softwares of the industry, or even like you know, God forbid Bethesda have learned their lesson from 76, right? Like, they're never going to do online again. No. Um, as long as there are still people, and like CD Projekt Red, there are still companies out there making really good shit that has genuine artistic value that as much as, like, the world of gaming is becoming this fucking pay-as-you-go loot box bullshit, I do believe, I want to believe <laughs> that people that make things like Borderlands, people that make things, you know, of that nature with that strong voice and that strong character can find a way to get the best of both worlds. Whether it is they do 10,000 skins for Borderlands 3 or whatever, or like you can buy better guns. I don't care, right. but like as long as the base game isn't affected, um, that's kind of all we can hope for. But, but it, I, does, it does affect the base game. I know, but I still, I still, get into that I still have. <laughs> hope right um i i'm i choose to be a little naive in that sense where i would like to think that there are if you you want an example of that kind of thing affecting the base game the microtransactions in shadow of war and the last act of the game here's they they fixed it (laughs) they did fix it 
I, I only played but it, it, it was fact. it was there oh, that's a the thing is it's a really good game too yes oh you're right okay okay ben, you might so it, it can affect the game it can affect the game yeah. no you're right Some, and- sometimes the the business model is taken into account with the design of the game yeah. it's just we hope we hope that it's not or, or we hope that if it is it's it's th- there's a enough push so i was i was thinking about outer worlds when i was starting to yeah, think yeah, about yeah. all the stuff which is very similar like tonally to borderlands but it's made by the new vegas guys coming yeah. out soon that's a game where I can see them being like, "Do you want to buy a rad skin like, for your gun?" Yeah, that's probably going to be. It. Yeah, yeah, but then they're not going to be like, "Buy this pack," and it's not going to be like Assassin's Creed. Buy this experience pack, so you don't have to grind as much. Yeah. Um, but that stuff I don't hate because it's like you don't have to do it, and I don't mind. That's the other thing too is it gives you the op- what I like is when games give you the opportunity. If you like the game a lot and you play it a lot and you bought it once and you've spent like two hundred hours on it, you can still give them money. Like, you can be like, hey, here's a bit more of my money for a cool thing that I would like in this game. I don't hate that. Right. Um, I don't hate that option. But it's the minute that it interferes with the game, that's why I have an issue with it. <laughs> okay. Um, Card Percent in the chat says, that's all well and good, but is there going to be Battle Royale? The developers emphatically on stage said that's not the kind of game we're making. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be. It's probably going to be a Battle Royale. Um, yeah. yeah. So keep that in mind. Um, do you have any kind of closing thoughts before we kind of wrap this uh, one? I am extremely cynical and jaded, yeah. and I'm, I have no faith in the industry. I'm choosing to be a little more naive. Um, it's probably <laughs> going to bite me on the ass, but I we'll don't know. See. Playing, we'll see. Playing Sekiro has totally, again, re-energized my belief right. in the gaming industry as a yeah. whole. You can make good art that sells, yeah, and it's not going to be for everyone, and that's fine. Um, and Borderlands as a franchise has always been fun enough and easy enough to get into that anyone can play it. But going through and playing those games at length and like when you do have 200 hours in it and you've played with someone else the whole time, it's like a genuine, it's like when we play through the Souls games, you have like an emotional attachment to that experience, whether or not the game is any good. But if suddenly through that, you know, journey that you have with a friend of yours, you have to like pull your wallet out. Like, I think that's when, that's when it's like, okay, now we have to have a conversation about regulation. (laughs) I think that's where that, that comes in. Right. Um, uh, Do you have any recommendations for this week? Um, I don't know. I watched Pride and Prejudice, the TV show from '95. <laughs> Apparently, in one sitting, right? Nah, in like yeah. oh, in like two sittings. Uh, <laughs> there's only like six episodes. Yeah, it's quite short. Or nine, nine yeah, episodes. I'm right. gonna say nine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. Yep. Good record. It's, it's Colin Firth. Yep. In his like first uh, TV appearance. Yeah, he's really good and in he's that, a, actually. He's a hot boy. Oh, God, he's so hot in that. And um, Mr. Fuck, what's his name? Starts with a B. The other character who gets it. They have, like, a double wedding at the very end. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, the other man is much more attractive. Uh, but I don't know who he is or guy. who the actor is, but he just is. I've been reading um, Logic's book, uh, Supermarket. You know, Logic the Rapper. <laughs> right. His book, his Supermarket. Book. It's right. a okay. sci-fi. It's so good. <laughs> Um, it's like a sci-fi love story. It's really good. Sure. Um, it's called Supermarket. Um, I've been bumping. He also released a soundtrack with it, which is the weirdest thing ever. It's a book. That's what I was bumping before. It's It's not, it's not a soundtrack for the book, but it's just a soundtrack related to the book. It's dope though. I was bumping it before. I mean, yeah, of course it's not the soundtrack to the book because books don't have soundtracks, they do, David. They do now. It's they logic. Do now. It's logic, baby. Coming at you. Bobby Hole up in your biz. He's like, I can make music and I can write He's a like, book. I'm a rapper and I want to mm. write a book. Maybe both. It's really good. Um, the book is very weird, but yeah, I, I recommend both. I've been bumping the album, reading the book. Really nice. Really like heartfelt kind of earnest story, which right. I always appreciate. Um, Called Supermarket. So called supermarket. Yeah, it's about right. like a guy, the the basic premise is there's this guy in a supermarket who's like 
in love with this girl who he works with and then he gets abducted and then there's a space adventure oh, okay. and then it jumps ahead two years and he comes back it's really cool sure um highly recommend so it's like evil dead 2 kind of but, but just it, in the other direction yeah and it like it's more of an exploration it's of- actually very like evil dead 2 yeah. yeah it's pretty fucking dark though like it's more about like Growing up with trauma and stuff, but I highly recommend. So it's nothing like Evil Dead. Not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, check that out. Uh, otherwise, I've been working on my solo video. Um, <gasps> I think I finished finished the Wowie. research. So the script is finished. It's about ten thousand words. Nice. So it's going to be about an hour and a half video. Oh. I'm going to start um, cutting it down. Well, I'm going to start. Rec- nope, it's going to be that long. I'm going to oh, start recording it okay. this week. All right. So um, if you haven't rewatched Solo, a solo story by Han Solo, the oh, Star no. Wars man. Check that oh, out. That's my dear. recommendation for this week. Because I've watched it like 10 times and I'm oh, starting to go a little bit mad. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm getting the, there's something happening in my brain. Right. It's not good. But, um, yeah, check that out. Uh, otherwise, I've been, I started watching Peaky Blinders, which is a, um, it's like a, a British gangster story set in like the 1940s. With you always have Murphy. like 12 fucking recommendations every week. And I'm, I'm like, no, I don't know. I'm always picking at stuff, man. All right. I read a lot as well. I'm also reading the, Oh my God. I'm also reading the, um, the next Skullduggery <laughs> Pleasant book. Joking. Yeah, I know. I do. I do a lot of media. Um, <sighs> helps me focus. Sure. Um, otherwise, where can people find us? Facebook. At DCMWorks Social. YouTube. Twitter. YouTube.com slash DCMWorks. Twitter. At DCM Patreon. Patreon.com slash DCMWorks. Uh, you can start at $3 a month. We view it more as a, as a subscription service than like a donation. Get access to all of our post shows, which we're about to do live, if you're watching this live. Wow! Um, stick around for that. Um, otherwise, if you're a Patreon, uh, we post all those after the fact. We post the VODs for those. So you can go over there and you can the watch The VODs. Those. That's the technical industry the term. The video on demands. Yes. The videos on demand. That's what everyone else calls them. The um, VSODs. The yeah. VZODs. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We've also like flattened our Patreon structure a bit. So if you are if you are a Patreon or if you're thinking about it, go check out our new tiers. I've just made them a lot simpler and you get more stuff, which is always good. Um, otherwise, uh, if you want to follow us individually, I'm at DCMIHatePie. I'm at Literal Citrus. We'll see you guys next week. If you...